And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. It's I, Aaron Portsline. Sorry about the voice. I have a touch of a cold here. I think the others do as well. Allison, say hello. Hello. How are you feeling? A, a touch of the cold as well, but powering through. Powering through. Tom, happy birthday, Tom. How are you feeling? I'm fine, thank you. Happy I'm, birthday. I'm I guess I'm the only healthy one here. Pays yeah. not to come to the rink some days, I guess. That could be it. Always the rink, right? Always the rink. But yesterday was a woof for not having a game. It was a fairly momentous day at the rink. Indeed. Uh, the Blue Jackets just bleeding goals and of late lacking passion uh, had a uh, sort of a come to Jesus day at the rink, if you will. Uh, John Tortorella came into Monday planning a pretty intense and high-octane high practice, followed by a pretty tough video session. And then the day took a different turn uh, after his arrival at, at the rink after a meeting with Yarmo Kekalainen when it was decided that the assistant coaches who switched roles before the training camp, before the preseason started, Brad Shaw, went to coach the forwards. Brad Larson went to coach the defenseman, uh, a move that raised more than a few eyebrows in and around Columbus, but beyond even, um, that those two were now switching back to their more, you, you would assume, their more comfortable positions. So as of tonight, when the Blue Jackets host Vancouver, Brad Shaw is coaching the defenseman. Brad Larson is coaching the forwards. We can scratch it at any of these first. Let's let's. I think that the coaching thing is really interesting, and we'll get into some other stuff that Tortorella said after that. But I mean, are you guys? I was surprised that they made this move in the first place before the season started. Uh, I think we've talked about Jesus. Can they? Are they going to go back? Can they go back in the middle of the season? Um, how were you guys at with this? With them pulling this back in and sort of rearranging uh, the roles here. It's only, it is, no matter how you look at it, it's an admission that this was a, a, a failed attempt, I think you, you'd have to say. 
Tom, we were talking about this, I think, Sunday. Like, are they, can they do this mid-season? Um, yeah. They clearly were, this was a, an important move to make. Yeah, your senses were finally honed. You were, you were on this topic. Uh, I, can, I can confirm that as early as Saturday or Sunday, whatever day we were talking, that we, wondered if we, we were wondering if uh, that was going to happen. And if the safe safe uh, is death sign was going to come down. Yeah, that's and, still up, by the way. I'm sorry. It is still up. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was. It's. I know this is we. I I think we dedicated an entire podcast almost to this topic at the start of the season when they made this move, and then you know it was one of those that I don't necessarily think there was. You know, there was nothing that said it's broken. We need to fix this kind of thing. And you're right; it's, it's just it hasn't worked. It's uh, now Torts tried to tried to play it off as this isn't the reason for the issues, but we are going to go back to this. And it's you know, again, I think it's as you mentioned, it's it's something that you know, why did they ever make this move? It's and I can't remember where I came down on this topic to be honest with you. I think you guys might have been a little stronger on it than I was. If just thinking, I don't don't quite get why you're doing it. I don't remember how I felt about it, but it's uh, you know I I think you can I I guess you can go back at this point. You really aren't that deep into the season. Certainly, I think Shaw is going to benefit going back with the defenseman. Maybe Wierenski benefits from him having him back there. In reading your story today, it sounds like. That he that Morensky still went to Shaw with issues, so we'll see where it goes. But I think it's a good decision. Yeah, and I mean it. It is the excuse given for doing it in the first place was a different voice for the players. We should be clear here: these guys are not cordoned off from the other position players. So Brad Shaw has been there all season for defensemen who who want coaching or who, who have a question about the position. Uh, and Brad Larson's been there for the forwards the whole time. Which what's different is during games, Brad Larson does not is, is would be coaching the defenseman. Brad Shaw would have the forwards, and there's not time in that situation to say. I guess there would be during timeouts and such, but pretty 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 squished time to say, hey, we're you know, you know, Nudavara, Wierenski. That's how we need that this to be played, and and Bradshaw certainly would have that expertise for a Larson. It was billed at the time as a different voice to the players. It was billed yesterday as we're doing this because you guys are going to blame them for what's going on. And do you believe either of those, Allison, or is this was this a was this just a, a decision that didn't work? And to the credit of the club, they're pulling the shoot on a decision that wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, I mean, it, you, you, as Torts did say yesterday, you try some things, you find out they don't work, and therefore you stop trying them. So um, it didn't work. I think that some of the some of the nuances that you know that Torts said yesterday too, and and you know from my previous life, it, it's an interesting angle to this that I I would buy in on a bit, which is, you know, Torch talked about this being a challenge to develop his assistant coaches um, as well to say, basically learn the other side of the ice. And I'm oversimplifying it. Those are my words, not his. Um, And so, you know, and I was, I was intrigued and you and I talked about this briefly yesterday that it sounds like 
from Torts's 10 seconds he spent on it that Brad Larson may have had the easier transition compared to Brad Shaw. Um, yeah. in terms it's of, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we have to remember too, that while at the AHL level, you know, Brad Larson was the head coach for the Jackets organization. Now Shaw has been there too, but Larson has, I think more games under his belt in that formal role. Um, so I, I do think it's interesting from a staff development perspective. I also think it's interesting because there are the the fabric of coaching weaves a lot more than I think people understand. I saw a lot of reaction yesterday to your piece, which I thought was excellent, saying, you know, oh, see, Larson goes to the defenseman and they stink. And then it's all this and it's all this guy. Uh, and, and, and you know, to, to maybe open a window a bit, a practice for the Blue Jackets isn't a positional coach working with just those players, you know, in, in sequestered space on the ice and then only talking to those players off the ice. I think that it's much more of a fluid situation. And to your point, even with this assignment, the defensemen were talking to Brad Shaw and the forwards were talking to Brad Larson Torts's point, And I think part of this is him being a leader to make this point is to say, at the end of the day, I'm in charge of five on five play. And yeah. those guys where they really do specialize, and if you want to draw some lines, is special teams. But, you know, I think it is important to understand that while this didn't work, I do believe part of it was a developmental challenge to each of the assistants. And there are definitely some situations on the bench where maybe the player didn't have the coach right at the ready to answer a question. But, right. but these guys are all talking. This isn't like <laughs> there, yeah. were, there were barriers put up between who could talk. And I think, too, and, and I'm not saying this in a negative sense, but these are professional athletes. They're not looking to a coach every play to say, oh, my gosh, what do I do here? Right. Yeah, right. So sure. so sure. the role of the coach is important, but also not imperative to the way a player should execute on the ice at this level. I think it's like everything else at this level. It's smaller but more intensely important. Absolutely. Totally. Right. Totally. And the smaller things are so important because the edge is so minute between good team and bad team. Totally. Um, and, yeah, and I, um, I don't think it, I, I think this, the move made yesterday was probably as much about, okay, let's just get things back to where they were when they worked. Sure. And it's not like, okay, that's a screw up that we can't have anymore. And, Shaw did this and Larson did this. I don't know if that's anything even concrete. And honestly, I talked to as many players as I could yesterday. Um, and even, I don't think they, I don't think anyone really complained about it and went to the coaches and said, this must be turned around. This is ridiculous. I don't think it ever reached that point. I, I just feel like this feels like a more comfortable fit for, for sure. everybody. Brad Shaw was an NHL defenseman and his coach defenseman for years. Brad Larson was an NHL forward. Like let's let this is not a time to be like super creative and, and build a staff. This is a time to like win some hockey games and have everybody playing at peak potential. <laughs> Maybe safe as death is down in the coach's room and we just don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyways, Tom, any further yeah, no, and I think I think one of the, the the things is is if you think about it, these guys don't practice a lot to begin with. 
And I think that's becoming more and more the trend in the NHL. Yeah. Um, it's certainly the, becoming the trend in the NBA as well. That um, that a lot of the stuff is video work. So again, I, I don't we don't know what was going on there. We 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 do see everyday practice, but we don't know what was going on there with guys working with the players and whatever. But I, I tend to agree with you guys. I don't I don't I think this is more about kind of going back to what they knew and if and if this is something that kind of gets them part of this reset, then that's fine. But I think we. We all agree this was probably something they didn't need to probably do to begin with, and uh, they've, I think they've kind of real maybe understand that now. And yeah. it would be interesting to think that why you wonder if Yarmo or whoever made this suggestion to Torch, or Torch just came to the ranks thinking, hey, maybe we better do this, and Yarmo said, sure, uh, that that's not going to hurt. Yeah, and better to do it now. Obviously, better to do it now than in March or you know right. before for the playoffs yeah right so, when it's, still when plenty it's, of time they're, yeah they're in a playoff position so they'll work through it yeah you do it in march and it smacks of desperation yes yeah and it's funny like this team was a point out of first place of the metro and they lose an ugly game and now it feels like oh oh god the whole season's getting away on them and it has that it had that feel about it yesterday at the rink like uh like, like, oh, there was a sense of urgency at the rink yesterday that you would not have expected a week ago. Well, I think it's been coming, right? It, it, it you just, they have been trying to, uh, you know, look at, look at where Torch is yesterday talking to where he was after the Calgary game. You know what, you know, what, yeah. we're gonna, what was his, we're, I'm not going to give you the, what was his line? I'm not feeding you the uh, narrative or whatever, just because we lost nine to six. Yeah, he was strangely defensive about that game. Yeah, because I think that they know that this has been this has been an issue for a while. They've been getting away with it. They've been they've been winning games. They've been outscoring teams. And Aaron, you and I have talked about this. They don't have this kind of team that they are. They aren't the Penguins, and they're not Tampa Bay, and they're not Washington, where they've got five, six, seven guys that can have nights and and put up that much that much scoring all the time. Right. Cam Atkins is having an incredible year. Panarin, when he's going, is really good, and he's not been very good lately. Uh, and then after that, it it dips. It's you got they got to be really playing well, at least on the front end. Yeah. So I think they realize they've got to get back to to uh, defending better than they did. Well, Tom, it's the perfect segue into the the this the topic too, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, Blue Jackets are seventh in the league in goals scored. Seventh, three point four five a game, which is a franchise high. They would score two hundred and eighty-three goals that way, which is my God, thirty-six goals more than they've ever scored in a season before. That's like point five a game almost. That's crazy. The flip side is they're twenty-sixth in the NHL in goals against, also on pace to. Uh, <laughs> set a franchise record. It allowed 277 goals. And you think about all those god-awful teams from the early 2000s, the early 2010s, right? And now you look at a team that has Jones, Wierenski, Murray, Nudovara, has Bobrovsky in goal. And you say, how can this be the most poorest team in franchise history so far? And... 
I think because of the one number, goals for, the goals against was seen as not as big of an issue, which, of course, is just human nature. Uh, but Tortorella yesterday was really interesting talking about how he himself got caught up in this trap of find a way to win. And so you you find a way to make a 9-6 to six loss to Calgary not acceptable, but not the end of the day, where maybe in the past it would have been, oh, my God, how do you give up nine goals at home? Um, where you look at a win in Philadelphia, 4-3 in overtime, and say, hey, we won. Instead of, oh, my God, we cannot play that way because a really good team's going to score nine goals on you that way. They were incredibly loose in Philadelphia. And he, he kind of fell on his own sword, which is not unusual for him. But he put it squarely on himself as saying he let this get away from him a little bit. And he let the, let some stuff slide under the idea that, oh, they're finding a way to win. And also, this is just how games are in the league now. He feels like he let some stuff slide that he's no longer willing to let slide. Um, and so we'll see what that looks like. But, I mean, he has been benching guys and moving guys up and down and all over the place for a while now. So I'm not sure if that entirely rings true, but he seemed to signal that a different approach was, was uh, coming and that it began uh, at Monday's practice. And he was yipping pretty good Monday at the boys uh, on the ice, Allison, you were there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, this is, this is kind of what I've been kind of spotlighting for, for some time now here, which is, the chances this group is giving up, the, sh- the amount of shots this group is giving up, to me is so concerning for exactly as Tom just highlighted because of what offense looks like from this team. And again, that's not a dig. It's just this this group produces goals in a different way than a Washington, than a Tampa Bay, for example. And I, I think it's an interesting dilemma. And, and what I might try and get from towards here either today or tomorrow is – you know, it is an interesting balance because this is a coach who has said, I don't want to put any restrictions or guidelines on these guys offensively. I want them to be free, right? But then now we we can't let that mentality seep into our defensive play. And, you know, even it's crazy. I was looking here. If you take special teams out of it at five on five, the Jackets have the fourth best goals for per 60 in the league behind only Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, and shockingly, the Montreal Canadiens, as we all predicted. Um, But they have the fourth worst goals against. The only people who are worse are Ottawa, St. Louis, and Chicago. And yeah, yeah. And so, you know, again, this highlights why special teams are so crucial, particularly for a team like the Blue Jackets. And it, it, again, this, this group can't play this way. They just can't. And they, they have to find a way to stay true to their structure um, while being free offensively. And it's, you know, Nick Foligno said this yesterday. He said, yeah, you know, we have six goals at our last home game. And, and look at their wasted, basically. I mean, to flip your, your points about nine goals against, I mean, this isn't a team that we used to say, oh, gosh, they can put up six goals. You know what I'm saying? So they're, they're putting up some bigger offensive numbers, but wasting that because of their um, defensive struggles. And I think part of, too, why 
this last game felt kind of like a a checkpoint or or a come to come to Jesus moment is and we didn't even realize it at the time until after but Saturday's game is the first game this team has been shut out all year. They've yeah. at least gotten a goal all year and this was the first time they did not put a goal up on on the board and strikingly on the other side of the ice they have yet to have a shutout of their own. So yeah. interesting times. I think it's also interesting we've gone through this entire segment of uh, yielding hemorrhaging goals and not mention Sergei Bobrovsky and I think that's uh, I think that's a very interesting point because you could maybe point to one or two goals along the way here. Not really, though. The issue hasn't been goaltending. No. It has not been goaltending at all. The issue is just the parade of odd man rushes. Oh, my God. And the just absolutely shocking breakdowns in front of the, of the net. Uh, we saw it again the other day with the Ovech, Ovechkin tap-in. Uh, right. You can point to like three or four other goals in this little recent stretch where Guys are standing wide open in front of the net for tap-ins. And uh, this has not been a goaltending issue. This has been a structure, a style of play. And as I, I think that Torch's point uh, should is, is, is good, he got kind of caught up into it's the league. We got to uh, – going back to the Calgary game, his issue was not that they gave up nine goals. We weren't scoring enough. Right. He was talking the second half of the game. We didn't create enough chances. Like this is a guy that just scored six goals in the game. And I think it, it's just human nature to, for players in any sport where you play both, both offense and defense, you want to play offense. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go try to score. And a year ago at this, uh, right around this time, you guys would know better than me on the exact date. Uh, but this is kind of the time last year where the sign, the, uh, safest death sign came down temporarily and they did have kind of a reset of, you know, we better start taking care of our own zone first and then we'll maybe let it flow. And it, and it did come back toward the end of last season. And if you guys remember, they finished the season really hot. They and they and uh, the Capitals who met in the playoffs were two of the hottest teams going into the playoffs. But boy, there was, there was a really rough stretch there and, I want to say late December and early January yep. where the same happening. They were giving up tons of goals. So at the end of December, because I, I actually pulled this up because Porty illustrated that earlier, on December 27th of last year, they gave up uh, – let's see, what is this? They lost to Pitt. At Pitt gave up five. They lost to Ottawa. At Ottawa gave up five. And they gave up five to Tampa Bay at home. Those were the last three games of December. Um, and you'll remember, too, that coincided with the injury loss of Wenberg, Atkinson, and Dubinsky. And so it was right around that time that, that the team said, we're locking it down. Let's just get through it and see if we can't get through January till we get all three of those guys back and reassemble our structure. And then we can then we can hopefully make a push. Yeah, I mean, to your point earlier, Allison, they're seventh in the league in goals four. And they have a power play that can't put two skate strides together basically right right exactly it's insane how what they're doing five on five but but wow and you wonder and i didn't ask towards this yesterday but you wonder if some of their scoring and the way that they're playing that is allowing for the scoring is also what's leaving them vulnerable to stuff the other direction for sure for sure uh, oh yeah right 
And like you see Panarin fly the zone a lot, a lot coming out. You see Atkinson flies the zone sometimes too, and maybe there needs to be another person there. I just I think they're in a spot right now where a- any little any little flare up ends up coming the other direction with tons of speed. And boy, they're playing a team tonight that that nobody expected to be very good. Vancouver, but they've got a couple of guys that can flat light it up if if they're if they're having a night in a Boser and and uh, Pedersen, just dynamic offensive players. Um, so this will be a good test, a good test for them. And I had a good chat with uh, with Mr. Warinsky yesterday. I know you guys did a couple of days earlier. And something to look for. I'm going to write this up today and post it during this is Tuesday. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he was saying, look, at, you know, for the, these next few games, I'm, I, I'm not going to be joining as many rushes as I usually am. I have got to just shut it down offensively and focus on playing well in my own end. And in being hard to play against, I have to get back to that. I have been that before. I can do that. I just got so caught up in this Rover idea and always being creative and always being aggressive with pucks when I have the puck. I just have to tone it down a little bit. And I have to almost like he was speaking, like he has to create sort of a base that he can build from. Like his game is on shaky ground right now and he needs to just stabilize the basics of, of the position, the simple stuff. You guys see, like, I, I've been trying to scratch at this for a while. Has he regressed this year? Like, or, or are we just looking at him and our expectations on him more? I think he's regressed because I don't remember, I don't remember seeing so many breakdowns that you're fairly certain are on him. Um, and part of that is he's always has the puck, and he and Seth Jones are always up in the play. It just feels like something's changed this year, and I'm I'm not smart enough to put my finger on it. And people aren't wanting to talk at great length about it, other than generalities. What do we think's going on with with young Mister Z? Tom. Yeah, it's interesting. When I talked to him the other day. Uh, it sounds like in the in the time that you have talked to him, the time I talked to him, they have kind of he either either has arrived at this or you know with the help of the coaches has decided this is kind of where we're going. Uh, when we talked to him the other day, his I think we were talking just in generalities about a season, and the way he put it, I thought was he really hit the nail on the head. He says I've been all over the place. And I think that that maybe mentally that's where he's his game has been. He's all over the place. Um, yeah, he's he's we we've cataloged throughout this the season the the some of the breakdowns he's had defensively. Um, and I think part of it is again he's a, in some ways a victim of his own success. Um, his that rookie year could not have gone better. Even when the guy suffers a season-ending injury, he's hailed uh, balls as big as the building. Yeah. And then last season was a season where everyone kind of like, okay, well, he was hurt. He would give him a pass. And then everyone this season like, okay, here he goes. 
he's going to be expected to go. And you look around the league, Porter, you and I were talking about this the other day. You look around the league and you, there are other defensemen that have had this happen to them in recent years. Uh, the guy that really sticks out to me is Aaron Eckblad. Aaron Eckblad, terrific start to his career in Florida. And then by the third year, he really struggled. Second, third year. So especially this third year, really struggled in the league. It's happening right now in New York with Brady Shea, who might have been on the – I don't know if they were rookies in the same year as Varensky. But anyway, young defenseman, all-rookie team, uh, his first year in the league. And, boy, he is just – he doesn't even look like the same player. He just looks like a player who has lost his confidence. And it's, I think it's hard for us to understand that because we watch them. It would be one thing if these guys weren't doing it when they got to the league. And like, why is this happening? Why, why can't this guy get it together? As opposed to they come into the league and they're terrific uh, their first year. It just looks like the next 10 years they're going to be an all-star every season and be up for the Norris. But it doesn't always happen that way. And I think that's where, I think that's where Zach is right now, just trying to rebuild his game a little bit. But it, it's always been a sophomore slump. How can there now be a junior jinx, if you will? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's uh, again with 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 Wierenski, I think last year was everyone just like and and we again we I laugh at this every time we say you know he didn't play very well. He had 16 goals. <laughs> he had exactly. 16, he had 16 goals. Um, I think they 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 are just trying to get to the point with him. That look, it just can't be offensive. It just you can't just be an offensive player, especially with the minutes that you're playing and the role that you play. You've got to be a little bit more defensively sound. And I and I do think maybe if he is going back to this a little bit at some point, they're not trying to turn him into David Savard here, right? He's going to have to find a balance in his game. And just all this to me and what I hear is just lacks confidence right now. Just lacks confidence in his just all-around play. He's unsure of what he wants to do. I, I don't think I told you the other day when I talked to him, he just sounded lost. He just sounds lost right now. And, you know, hopefully maybe this gets him reset, refocused, and gets him back going to the way that we know and we've seen him play. Allison, do you see a different player or do you see different expectations on the same player? Yeah, it's well, so here's what I did. I went to look at his, his three seasons in the league, um, because as with anything, of course, and, and understandably the, the mistakes, the big mistakes always stand out to us, but I look to kind of see on the average what's happening with him. And, and I'm thinking of this on the fly and it, it's almost like Zach is in some ways kind of the poster child or the lightning rod for, this team right now. And I say that because he is now, again, he's got three years. He's experiencing career lows in shot attempts for and career highs and shot attempts against career highs in goals for, but also goals against uh, scoring chances for are down scoring chances against career high uh, getting into the dangerous areas, a career low while danger is against a career high his shooting percentage is pretty consistent. Um, individually, no major dips. But what's interesting is, you know, before I said, oh, well, let's just talk about this in Zach, I went and looked at Seth. 
And granted, the two players haven't played the entire season together, and Seth has more years under his belt, so it may not be as much career-defining numbers, but those same swings are things that Seth is experiencing too. So it, it's almost like Zach is is the highlight reel for for this team's struggles right now. I don't see him in this 30 seconds I've been looking at stuff experiencing anything in an underlying way more so than, than the entire team is right now, right? So it's – are his mistakes more glaring? Is he just not able to adapt as well because of this being just his third year? It's it's an interesting dilemma for the player and the team. As Wierenski goes, so go the Blue Jackets. Or vice versa. That's what we – that's the question. Chicken and egg right now. Whoa. And which – who's the chicken in this? <laughs> I am the chicken. You're this, whoa. Um, <laughs> Trying to avoid getting in trouble here, Aaron. Yeah, well, there's that. There's that. Uh, so the Vancouver's tonight should be a – I tell you what, this team has to learn how to win at home. 7-6-1 um, and one for the Blue Jackets. That's driving John Tortorella absolutely batty. Um, they have lost – Two in a row at home, nine to six to Calgary, four nothing to Washington. They owe, they owe Nationwide Arena a game here. Uh, and then they've got Los Angeles on Thursday, and then they've got Anaheim on Saturday. So they have a West Coast swing coming through the building now, and it'll it'll be interesting. There's so much to look at now because they've backed themselves almost into a corner with can can this team defend? And I think they've got three teams here that they can kind of get right against. Um, but they it's in there. They just got to bring it out. Uh, anything else you guys want to add? Allison, Tom, anything? No, I'm good. I think you, I think you covered a, We covered a lot of stuff today and had an actual theme to the whole day. So, yes, uh, everything kind of it was contiguous. Ooh, very nice. Wow. Allison, anything? Uh, just another happy birthday to our good friend, Tom. And you, Tom, cupcake or full cake or brownie, or what are you looking for tonight? Uh, chicken wing. A what? chicken wing? Well, chicken wings, yeah. yeah I mean, I don't care about You can't put a candle in. You can't put a candle in chicken wings. Uh, you don't know that, Aaron. You could put it in the crease, right? Like and if it's like a tight uh, crease. Absolutely. Oh, Jesus. I, I got to get us out of here. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading our stuff. Thanks for watching the post-game videos. People are great. We appreciate your subscriptions. We appreciate your uh, your um, following us and all that good stuff. And this being Tuesday, we will talk to you again on Friday. For Allison Lucan, for Tom Reed, Aaron Portsign saying thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.